The Motivational Moments podcast is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Prime Information Security, online at www.primeinfosec.com, and with the support of our many subscribers. Thank you. Today's episode of Motivational Moments features audio taken from my Conversations video series at www.motivationalsteps.com slash conversations. Welcome to another Motivational Steps Conversations with me. I'm Linda and I'm happy to have a wonderful guest here tonight, Jason Cassidy. He's the CEO of Shiny Docs. And it's quite a good topic we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, it scares some people. Some people are jumping on top of this and saying, whoa, we can rule the world. Um, Jason, it's so lovely to have you on the show tonight. And I know you're extremely busy. So thank you for coming along. Oh, it, it's my pleasure, Linda. It has uh, indeed been busy lately because uh, the, the, the topics of information management, the topics of artificial intelligence, all really important these days and uh, very pleased to be at the intersection of these things. So delighted to have a conversation with you today. So artificial intelligence, that's one of the biggest topics out there today. Would you agree, Jason? I would agree. And it's I, I look at everything in terms of uh, what I'll call a hype cycle. Uh, the hype is real. Uh, undoubtedly, artificial intelligence is here to stay. It's going to have a dramatic impact on our lives. But it's not much different than what I'm going to call the hype cycle associated with, remember the World Wide Web that started in 93? Uh, it's, it's still a thing, and now we take it for granted. It's Now that it's 30 years later, I, I think that these new technologies always follow a very similar story arc where there's a lot of people talking about a lot of things who don't necessarily know where exactly where it's going to go. And then, you know, there's some plumbers out there like myself who are building infrastructure and applications and that who we're, we're taking a bit of a guess at which way it's going to go. But I mean, without people building things, it's not going to go anywhere. So happy to talk about it. I hope our guesses are rather correct and happy to talk about some of the justifications as to why we think things are going to go the way they're going to go. That's wonderful. I'm so excited. So you're based in Waterloo. Shiny Docs is an information management software that automates the way users find and identify files within an organization's repositories. That's a big word for me. So exciting news. You recently uh, received funding from the Fed, uh, FedDev Ontario <laughs> through the Jobs and Growth Fund, and you've raised $16.25 million for your company expansion. I've got an idea, Jason, that you guys know what you're doing. Otherwise, people wouldn't be throwing money at you like water. <laughs> well, for sure. It's certainly we know what we're doing. And unambiguously, we've solved some really big problems with big customers. And we've solved some really big customers with medium size or <laughs> big problems. Sorry, not customers, but big problems with medium size and smaller customers as well. Uh, but I mean, every time that you invent something and bring it to market, it is an experiment. So what I can say for sure is the experiment has been validated. The way that we find information, make it useful to people was not intuitive. We didn't say that you have to put it over here. You don't have to put it in the cloud. It might be cheaper. It might be more secure. It might not be. So you decide. You don't have to put it into a content management system like a SharePoint or something like that. Though what matters is how people find the information and how people use the information. 
So now that the experiment has been proven, it's a matter of how do you make it consumable by a mainstream audience, which is a different challenge. So that's hence going and raising some money, hiring different types of sales and marketing people, refining the product, not to do more cool tech stuff, but actually take what we do really well and make it as simple as possible so that more people can enjoy it. It's it's a fun, exciting time. But like I say, it's, it's an experiment. We're going to find out how right we were and correct for anything that we might have overreached or done wrong as we go here as well. So I guess uh, one of my questions would be, how long um, have you been the CEO of Shiny Docs? So I have been the CEO of Shiny Docs for nine and a half years. It started out, uh, there's a, a core group of, of six individuals. We, we were solving very cool uh, information management problems. We had customers, including OpenText in town here in Waterloo, uh, who we still maintain a great partnership and friendship with. We had uh, 18 other customers, and we're building new products, doing things orthogonal, different than the way other people were doing. And our stuff tended to work a little bit faster, a little bit better. We ended up being an OpenText Technology Partner of the Year for, for three out of our four, four first years of existence. We knew we were onto something. Uh, and from that, as the CEO, I had to make a decision. It's like, okay, do we be additive to some other platform that we're friends with, or do we diverge a little bit and start doing something of our own that's pretty cool? And that's that's what we started doing four years ago. So you asked a simple question, how long CEO? And I gave you a little bit more of my life story, but it's super excited. That almost 10 years now that we've been at this. I love it because a lot of our um, listeners and you know viewers, because this is a podcast as well as you know, will will be thinking, "Wow, an overnight success!" And I'm not saying you weren't an overnight success, but I think we're um, we're moving on to the um, you know the wonderful topic that scares uh, people. Basically, it seems to have been around forever now. It seems every time we turn on the TV or look at something online, it's, you know, it's all about this scary topic. So. What made you move into that arena and how long ago did you? So we moved into the artificial intelligence arena over five years ago. We actually, we spent a lot of time working with IBM. Remember Watson? Remember when Watson was uh, the hype machine that was, was going for that? And I don't mean it was all hype. Certainly it was a wonderful platform. It was just the timing wasn't right for it. The industry wasn't super jacked about the idea Um like certainly they had their own cool press where it beat uh, Ken Jennings and other people at, at Jeopardy. That's cool. But, but it was, again, a solution kind of looking for a problem at the time. People weren't ready to adopt artificial intelligence. But we spent some time with, with, with uh, IBM. We spent some time working with initial customers like Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, like Bruce Power. And, and others, uh, because they have real-life, practical, cool problems. They purchase organizations, they have assets to maintain, and they want to do it in the most efficient and reliable way possible. And we had a good track record being from the open text arena and other things to come in and say, rather than you experimenting on your own with these things, why don't you bring in people who understand how this works, are dealing with other organizations at the same time and see if we can build something special together. Uh, so doing it steeped in customers over the last five years was quite helpful. But at the same time, we had all sorts of cool stuff that's 
always worked. The ability to automatically classify files, find particular information out of it, and even do things like generative AI, where you can generate meaningful responses from your own data. The problem was nobody knew how to ask for it. Even today, Linda, people don't know what they're asking for when they're asking for AI. All they know for sure is that ChatGPT thing is really cool, and they know it's transformative. So then they put their hand up and say, okay, how do I consider this? Where do I fit in? How do I start? And I'm just delighted now that we can just go back to everything we've been doing over the last five years and say, yay, people are ready, but we still have to package it. You know what I mean? I have to package it in a way that's consumable for people and actually deliver results. So that's where we are. I don't think I really and heard the word five years ago. It wasn't something I, you know, was in my life because obviously I'm not a techie person, all the rest of it, you know. Uh, but what way now it's like everybody's talking about everybody's, you know. What I'm interested in is um, you, you, you talk about uh, the tech executives and experts they're warning about smart machines having minds of their own and using their powers for malicious intent. And this is interesting because obviously what are the myths and what are the truths? Because this is going to be great for businesses in particular, you know, obviously the person on the street will be dabbling in it. But for the business in particular, you know, is this true about the malicious intent or is somebody trying to sell us something else <laughs> so we can spend more money with them? You know, you know more than I do. Well, it's, there's, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to put out a theory out there is that there's people who, who want to actually do work meaningful work and there's other people who want to have an opinion on other people's mean meaningful work so the people who are what i'm going to say are doing super meaningful work right now within organizations are not giving the nuclear codes to the artificial intelligence we're nowhere near that we don't want to do it it's it's not a thing so so uh the, right now it's pretty basic exercises like Linda, when you look at a document, you know that this is a purchase order. Or you know that this document might be an invoice. You can figure that out because you're smart. Well, computers used to be dumb, and now it's really easy to train it to be smart. It can look, I know where this document's supposed to go. I know where that document's supposed to go. A new piece of data comes into the business, and using artificial intelligence, it makes some quick decisions to just route information. That's what's happening right now with AI. It's pretty basic. It's not pointing a gun at anybody. That's okay. So now what I'm saying, the people who are doing real work right now are doing that. They're just saying, what business problem can I solve with AI? No risk, hopefully, of, of, of the AI rising up and killing us. But, but there's lots of people out there who say, I don't want to do that work, but I want to have an opinion on it. So there's some that are useful. For example, an academic so working at a non-governmental organization saying, how can we reliably make sure that AI drones with artillery is not a thing? Or if it was, how do we make sure that we're responsibly using these things? Those are actually really important questions for academics right now. Because in the meantime, us engineering types of people, I don't have a drone with artillery or anything like that. It's not even a thing. So there are people that are doing that. But then there's another subset of people who are just having an opinion on it, saying, well, we need to make sure it's ethical AI and these other things and vaguely having a conversation. It's kind of like 
when people after the uh, financial crisis in in 2007, 2008, 2009, everybody had an opinion out there, but only a very small subset of people actually knew mechanically how how that worked. So when I hear things like, well, in the future, everybody's going to be prompt engineers, or we got to worry about ethical AI. And then I ask, well, give me an example of what you mean. They're like, I don't know, but I'll know it when I see it. It's We need to walk back a little bit and just say, ethics hasn't changed. So it's okay, Linda, I'll give you a simple example of a good, a good question of ethical AI. Uh, for example, like, we know that Microsoft's getting in a little bit of trouble with, with their ChatGPT because they kind of stole a little bit of your work and my work. They used stuff from the web and all that without our permission, and then they created uh, something that is now generating revenue associated with that. That's a whole copyright thing under the FTC called disgorgement. It's kind of against the law. I'm not, again, nobody's, everybody's innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. So I'm going to just say this is just Jason Cassidy's non-legal opinion. I just feel like, uh, so, but that's a good ethical concern is that if, if Linda creates some very cool piece of copy, some important information, you write an essay, you write something, and then AI comes along and then uses that as part of a model to make a decision or even worse, create something just like it for somebody else, you need to be compensated in some way. You own the copyright to that and that. So there's an ethical concern with the sourcing of the information from a copyright perspective. I'm totally cool with that. Similarly to that is when the computer in the future makes a decision based upon that. So if let's say you make maps that are very reliable at finding gold. It's a goofy example, but I mean, it's it's a nice thought experiment. Okay, you make a map, and then the AI reads all of your maps, and then looks at a new plot of land and says, I think you should dig right here. If you strike gold digging right there, who gets compensated? And how do you make that repeatable? Why did, what was it about Linda's original drawings that made it so perfect to find this? That's That's cool. So you want to be able to repeat it. Well, ethically, how, how, how did that computer make the decision is an interesting question. Now, let's invert it to the bad case. Imagine the computer says, dig right here, and you dig right there, and it hits a pipe, and it explodes, and you die. It's like, who's, who's responsible for that? Is Linda responsible for that? No, <laughs> I hope not. Is the computer responsible for that? So these are interesting ethical questions. So the only way to answer it now is to say, when a computer makes a decision, you have to know what algorithm that you choose. Like it's, you have to have a sense of why the computer's making this decision. You have to have a sense, better than a sense, you have to know for sure what the inputs were. What were the drawings that went into it? What was the essays that went into it? Whatever the inputs were, you have to records manage that. You actually have to know. And then you have to keep track of the whole chain of responsibility so that when you know, you strike gold and everybody wants to repeat it, you know how to repeat it. And conversely, if something bad happens, you have to hold somebody accountable for it. So these are the, these are real life ethical concerns that I wish that we just addressed kind of one at a time, rather than these vague things that you might read on LinkedIn. Let's talk about AI. And it's almost as if ChatGPT wrote half of the articles. And it's just vaguely talking about AI. Well, there's ethical concerns, but it's going to transform the world. It's like, let's, let's get specific really fast and then be part of actually the solutioning. That's, that's what I'm advocating for. You, 
explained that wonderfully. And yes, Dave and I have had conversations about it. Some of my colleagues have had conversations about it. And yeah, there's lots and lots of challenges and problems, but we've got the people who just want to benefit, maybe not in, in the right way, you know, just to make money. And there are people who are worried about their content being stolen. So another thing um, that you talk about is um, helping us avoid catastrophes, um, train derailments, oil spills, other man-made disasters, you know, human error related to document control, blah, blah, blah. You know more about this than I do. So that's for the good of mankind. That's for the good of us all, isn't it, you know? So um, why are people not considering the good versus the bad and the greed? There's greed, there's there's bad stuff people want to do with it. But you're considering all the good things we can do to help everybody. So why why can't everybody just do the same as you, Jason? Well, it's I it this may or may not be popular, but it's uh it, in North America we have this kind of strange capitalism. And that strange capitalism is because it, it, capitalism was supposed to be the reward to society, you should get rewarded commensurate for with the reward to society. So society benefits a lot, you get rewarded a lot. That's the idea of capitalism. But it's been perverted since the 20s to turn into profit at, at any cost. Okay? You are a great capitalist if you make a ton of profit. And it's like, no, that's not what it ever was. Whoever told you that that's what it is, is just a dirty liar. So we, we kind of let ourselves get lulled into this. So instead of it being, how do I responsibly reward society and make society better? People are richer, they're living longer, they're healthier, all the great things that we think as vendors we would like to be providing the universe. That's not really the motive right now. I find that the motive is generally, uh, how can I make more money with the same resources? Or how can I make the same money I'm making right now with less resources? And then the third question, instead of how can I be the best, most responsible person I can be, it is what can I get away with not doing and not get caught? That's generally it. So, and I feel like generally Europe is a, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more fragmented and there's more opinions at the table, generally pushes a little bit harder on social issues, environmental issues, that type of thing. They're, they're ahead of us here in North America, whereas in North America, it's like, yeah, it's a big world. It's, we're not too worried about pollution. We're not too worried about, uh, we are getting worried about safety. Safety, we have kind of fixed safety compared to where we were 100 years ago. But there's still all sorts of other things like uh, inequities in pay. There's inequities in, in our ability to maintain the environment. So we still got a long way to go. But again, these are ethical issues that as a society, we need to give a hoot about. And if we don't, we'll never fix them. We'll never invest in them. So you kind of took me down a little bit of a, a little bit of a side quest here on this. No, I love it because these are things that as a whole, we're not coming together to try and um, work on, to try and agree on. And obviously there's all these different countries around the world. And I'm sure not every country is going to be open to working with Canada with, you know, Nobody wants to work together because, as I said, they have the greed, they, have, they want to be the best, and then we've got the people, like many of us we know, you know, who want to want to help the world. So Shiny Docs sounds wonderful. Um, I've got to ask you this question. How did you come up with that name? Did you polish your documents a lot? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, kind of a goofy story. We 
we had no name, of course, back if, if we go back 10 years ago and or actually 11, the, the name came up before the corporation. That's uh, about 11 or 12 years ago that we actually came up with Shiny Docs. But it was uh, as as this is a total joke and it was totally true is we were we, we called this whole idea Enterprise Fart. There's a lot of there's a lot of fart apps for your phone out there. You know, you can press and make a sound, but there's no enterprise fart apps. So it's so we could just called it that. And of course, looking for a real name. Yes, we're five year olds. It was fun, but uh, it's the real story is we were sitting as a group. That's kind of the core six people who started Shiny Docs, and we had a bunch of upwards on one side of the uh, one side of the whiteboard like shiny, exciting, you know, like it's all positive words. And then on the other side, we had kind of industry words. We know that we're a data company and information management company. So info, information, documents, docs, whatever. And one of the first ones, actually, I'm going to say it was in the first three or four different combinations that we put together was shiny docs. The dot com was available there. If you did a Google search, you'd literally get a picture of black boots that were very shiny. So people shiny Doc Martens, and it's like I think we can own this particular name, and uh, yeah, so we did a pretty good job of of kind of locking down some shiny variants and that type of thing. So uh, again, it started off with our little five year old silly name, which then quickly went away in favor of shiny Docs. Well, it's memorable. So where do you see your organization going because it looks like you're you're ahead of the game i hope you are because you well deserve to be because you're one of those people who again are doing it for the good of everybody so where do you see shiny docs going i mean um you said you're now ready to work on more artificial intelligence for the good and you know to help many organizations really so where are you off to jason Well, it's uh, it, it, we want to grow. We would like to be a leader in the information management space. My limiter, like me personally, Jason Casty's limiter is, I just assume people want to do the right thing. If you know what I mean, like it's there's there's some assumptions that I have that is okay. Most of our most of our files are on file shares and an email, so let's make sure that we clean those up really well and do a great job of managing them there. Whereas a lot of other people go, oh, you have file shares and email? Well, you need to use Enterprise Sync and Share and SharePoint. And then end users go, no, I don't want to do any of that. I just want my file share. So like in my brain, I'm like, okay, end users want the file share, so let's just do that. So let's assume for a second that the users win, that the end users end up waiting out IT and just saying, listen, I'm going to work wherever I work and you guys have to figure out where my data is, then Shiny Docs will, you'll see Shiny Docs become a public company that's a world leader. Because, I mean, we're steeped in what I'll call reality. The reality is information is everywhere. Information is hard. You can't force people to do things. So assuming that the market veers that way, kind of gives up on trying to move all your data somewhere or trying to, you know, have humans clean it. Like those are just, those are long gone if they're in tune with the idea of let's use artificial intelligence to clean it up, let's manage it wherever it is, let's let users enjoy working wherever they want instead of trying to force them to do something else. Shiny Docs aligns perfectly with that. Our timing will be great. And then you'll see us take off with thousands of customers. If, however, people don't get that memo, yeah, we'll plot along and we'll be a nice company who's solving big customer problems and we will grow. So I'm just hoping that our timing is right. 
Oh my goodness, you are such a lovely human. I don't know how come I've never met you before. Like, obviously, COVID interrupted a lot of networking, but I used to travel a lot more before COVID with my other businesses. So basically, I'm so happy to have met you and for you to explain to me exactly what Shiny Docs is all about. But how you talk about artificial intelligence for the good. Um, I have a feeling that you will be up there. You know, you will be going public. You will be the top the top company to do this because you deserve it. We're very alike, Jason. I always think the best of people. I always want people, you know, to help each other and be there for each other. But you know what? Even if it's just me and you in the world who think that, we can change the world and people little by little. By little. But this artificial intelligence and and listening to your story, I think it's absolutely amazing. I just I just can't believe how far we've come, but I think you're very wise to have started so long ago and worked along the path you've worked along because I think you are, well, one of the first I've heard about. So then again, I'm not, I'm not as techie as you guys. So I just want to say thank you for this wonderful, wonderful conversation. And um, is there any words of wisdom you want to add? Because I'm sure you got lots, Jason. <laughs> Well, well, thank you, and I appreciate the, the, the kind words. Uh, what I know for sure is that people want to do the right thing unambiguously. And there's an old joke that says, "Every eventually we will do the right thing after exhausting all alternatives. That's not exactly true. It's people generally want to do the right thing, but you have to show that it's affordable, it's well thought out, and it's very likely to work. And that falls on me. I can't blame an industry and say, hey, you guys, why aren't you buying my software in triplicate? I can't say that. I have to. The reason why people buy software, buy a strategy, buy a team to do the work is because they're reasonably assured that this is going to yield a great outcome for them. So that's on me. That's on us to be able to show this is just the right thing to do. It's obvious, it's affordable, and it's going to be great for you. So I'm happy to take on that challenge and I really appreciate you amplifying that today, Linda. That's a lovely way to end this conversation. Thank you again, Jason, and we will see each other again soon.